It's so funny. I, I've never had that happen. That's interesting. All right. So my outline says hearing, seeing, and believing, which you will shortly get. And it's just really what I talk about is hearing God's voice. I think we love to hear God's voice. I was just sitting there thinking in my life, uh, uh, I was just thinking uh, about the story of Moses. I was thinking uh, he must have just walked his life out and he began to you know, think about his life maybe uh, and especially as he got toward the end of life, he might have, one of, his, one of his more discouraging moments, he probably thought to himself, why did I ever go look at that bush? Why did I do that? Why? I should have just kept right on going and just walked right by that bush like nothing was happening, right? So what was that bush? Well, that's when God spoke to him, started talking to him. And as I was thinking about my own life, I'm thinking about that, man, oh man, why did I ever look at that bush? Why did I do that? And uh, I remember so many things like that. And, and, and we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And, and I can remember so clearly uh, the thing that actually sent me out of town and where I found my wife and actually found my destiny. I'm walking by the television set and this guy named Oral Roberts comes on. Never heard of him. And he just starts talking about his university and stuff. And I was trying to figure out where I wanted to go to school and everything. Never heard of him. But something stopped me as I heard what he was talking about. And he talked about signs and wonders, hearing God's voice, the power of God, you know, and everything, and equipping young men and women to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to go out in the marketplace. And and he called it every man's world. I stopped. I turned around. I looked at the TV. My dad was on the couch. I said, Dad, I'm going to that school. He said, what? And I said, because I could have gone anywhere. I had, I could have gone anywhere I wanted. I mean, literally, almost even Ivy League schools. And he said, uh, he said, uh, son, you don't want to go to that school. You don't want to go to that place. That's Oral Roberts. We're Presbyterian. That's like, you know, it's so different. I'll never say, I'll never, as long as I live, I'll never, I mean, you do not want to go to that school. And then I looked at him, you know, nice and calm and unrebellious son that I was. Yes, I am, Dad. That, you just made me want to go even more. You should have said nothing. Now I really want to go. Right? You know how that works with kids? <laughs> oh boy! So I made a beeline, you know, and uh, but I I can remember even now, um, and I I just call these Holy Spirit snapshots, but they have to do with hearing God's voice. Uh, God speaks a lot more than we think, right? And I've just learned through the years to pay attention to when I get that thing, that that sense, right? And the more you want to hear God's voice, the more you'll get that sense of things you're supposed to do, decisions you want to make, you know, and then. Um, I'm standing in the line to meet Oral, right, uh, with, with my parents, and we're going to shake his hand and everything, go through there, and he was uh, president of the university, of course, and so all the new people came in, and so I, I noticed an interesting girl uh, standing in back of me, and then I inter- noticed an interesting girl in front of me, right, and the one in front of me especially caught my eye, and so we began to talk, and she, I guess I caught her eye, and we began to talk, and that became my wife, she became my wife. Literally, the first girl I met at Oral Roberts University became my wife. <laughs> so, and it didn't happen automatically. Met, I didn't see her for another year until our sophomore year. And then uh, I wondered where she went, you know, but she didn't live on campus. She was commute. She lived in Tulsa. And then I saw her, and she was trying out to be a cheerleader at the university, and I really took notice then. 
And uh, that was another snapshot, you know. And then I made a note, when I get back here my sophomore year, I'm going to make sure I date that person, right? So that, so we did, and the one thing led to another, right? And so these uh, snapshots, they're, they, they're, uh, they're, they're amazing things. When you walk with the Lord, they're more uh, common than you know. I think a lot of us walk in so much discouragement over hearing God's voice because sometimes it's harder. You know, we just would like you know, um, trumpets to sound and, um, you know, and drums to beat and just lights to light up. And sometimes it's just a faint thing. Uh, sometimes it's, brought, you know, more brilliant and everything. Sometimes it's just a feeling, just a sense. And so the more you walk with the Lord, you, you get a sense of God's leading. Uh, I get a sense of what might be God. And I, I almost never get an, a, a full conclusion of what I'm supposed to do. I just get a picture. I just get a sense of it. And then I just start walking down the road, exploring a little bit to see if this is really the right way, right? So I've done that a number of times. And that's a very helpful concept in itself. You get an idea of what you think God might want. Then you just sort of test it out. You know, you just walk down. I call them wisdom paths. You just walk the wisdom path and see if the Lord reinforces it, right? And uh, and so uh, I, I think of these snapshots. They're just all over my life. Uh, I, I uh, just remember even how I got involved with the vineyard, you know, um, same thing, you know. And and I, I'm at Eddie Pjork's house. He's here today. And we're like having this little meeting. And I, I was thinking, well, maybe the vineyard isn't for me at all. I didn't quite understand some things, you know, and I was living in a long way away and all kinds of things and and uh, I didn't like the way even like I was just crazy because I didn't even like the way people like rose their hands and raised their hands and they would do like this a little bit and I don't know why that was greatly offensive to me I have no idea I guess I hadn't got rid of all my religious spirits from the Midwest yet but I you know put them up or put them down but don't do that it's so distracting right so I'm in a room full in his living room I'm in this room and I, I didn't want to go uh, to be in that room, I wanted to go to the Angels ball game with my friend Martin. And I heard something deep inside of me, uh, 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 just uh, a sense, you gotta, you need to go to Eddie's. And, I, no, I don't. and I'm literally having this talk with myself. Sometimes I, no, I don't want to go. I don't want to go to Eddie's. No, I think you better go. You know, It wasn't words, but I could feel it. No, <laughs> yes, no. So finally I thought, you know, Martin, uh, I don't think I'm supposed to go to an Angels game. And he said, well, what kind of a meeting is it today? Well, it's like a newcomer, like... Be- what? You're not a beginner, newcomer. You don't want to do that. Besides, I've never seen a baseball game. Come on, please, go with me. Oh, he was pulling hard on me. I said, no, I think I'm supposed to go. And then we go in the room, and they're worshiping, and they're all doing this. You know? <laughs> and then I'm going, oh, my gosh. Why did I come here? And then, then I stood up, and then I did this. And I found my fingers begin to move a little bit. And I thought, wow, that feels pretty good. Wow, and then I feel the presence of the Lord come on me, and before I knew it, like I was on the, I was falling in, in between a couch he had, like I wasn't on the couch, I was stuck in between it somehow or another, and that was just the opening act of a whole series of events that got me into the vineyard. I got drafted, right? But, but, uh, but as I, I look at it, I, I, I but wonder if I wouldn't have gone, right? wonder if I wouldn't have just, you know, just these small reactions to things uh, have literally changed uh, the destiny of my life. And uh, I've had so many things uh, like that happen to me. And, um, and it's this sense over time, you begin to get a sense of, and sometimes it requires a, a great deal of, of, um, of faith and chance. I, I found out, you know, if you're taking a chance on God, 
stepping out in faith towards something, it's probably the best place you could be. Even if you're wrong, you're, you're in the right idea, right? God loves for us to take chances. He loves us for us to step out. You look at all the Bible characters and what they went through. Look at poor Moses. Holy moly. Holy Moses. <laughs> what did he go through, man? Oh, my gosh, what he went through. It's nice to hear that voice, but he's got to go to Pharaoh and one thing after another and one leading after another. And uh, But he just got on a wisdom path, and to his credit, he just kept on, on going. And um, so uh, God speaks, if you look at Roman number one on your outline, more than people think. The problem is on our end, hearing is from the heart. And uh, here's a quote from Lee Strobel, who wrote uh, The Case for Faith a few years ago. It seems to me that an all-powerful God could do a much better job of convincing people of his existence than any evangelist ever does. Just write it in the sky, nice and big. Here's your proof, Ed. Believe me or go to hell. Sincerely, the Almighty. That would be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> Just write it in the sky, God. I'm ready to do your will. But part of the adventure is hearing. Part of the adventure is not only that you go do something for God, but that you heard His voice right. Because if you begin to hear Him, then He'll give you other stuff to do. Pretty soon you'll be full of things you're trying to do in Jesus' name, right? And uh, so it's a great adventure. Uh, also sort of can be kind of harrowing a little bit, depending on where you find yourself, right? And so I thought I heard God's voice to go to Cambodia with my friend Sir Paul. And there we go. And that was okay. It was a little scary because the dictators and all of them were still there, the ones that it, were the Khmer Rouge, the remnant and, and everything. And we walk in, you know, and I had to say some yeses. We had to say some really intense yeses uh, about that because we had to put our money where our mouth was. Eventually, if we got to the country, which is hard enough, we lost all our luggage along the way. So I like had a big ketchup stain on my shirt, you know, and, and everything coming in, you know. And this guy walks up to us and says, I'm your guide. And I said, oh, great. Yeah, we're talking. Okay, great. And uh, he says, well, what do you want to do? And I was just joking. I just said, I want to go see the prime minister. And he said, really? And I said, well, I'm just kidding, but why'd you say that? And he says, well, I know him, and I can have, I can meet, have you meet him right away. I said, what? He said, yeah. And he says, what do you want to be here for? Well, I... And I go, uh-oh, here it is. I said, well, I might as well get it all out. We want to come and plant churches here, and we want to bring the... the uh, we want to preach to this nation, and we want to heal the people and, and bring uh, food and covering and all kinds... And we just went through the whole thing. He says, well, I can arrange that. Didn't phase him a minute. You know? So our luggage is lost, and so we walked in there the next day, and I had a ketchup stain on a T-shirt. That's all I had. I didn't know where to buy any clothing. And we all walked in there like Frodo, you know, and there we are. And the television cameras are everywhere because evidently this is big news, having a foreigner there in Cambodia. Anything is big news because compared to having a Holocaust, right? So there we were, you know. And then uh, we were on the, it made the news. And then, many of you have heard this story, but I'm sitting there in front of all these people, you know. And then he asked me what to do. And I'm thinking, okay, uh, wow, all right. Like, do I conceal this? Do we, what do we do, you know? And, and we realized, well, look, God either spoke to us to come or not. So I just blurted the whole darn thing out. And I had something in it about uh, humanitarian stuff and building schools. I don't know even why I said that. But it piqued his interest. You know, I was just trying to put some bunch of good stuff out there. We were here for good stuff, right? I didn't, I didn't, I, I said, and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I said that clearly to him, right? And he said, but the school thing, could you build me a school? That's what he asked me. 
And I said, sure, I can build you a school. <laughs> and then I just went for it. We just went for it. I said, well, do you think you could find us a building to rent? You know? And, uh, and he said, yeah, I think I could have managed that. So, and, uh, but he said, you can build me a school, right? And I said, yeah, sure. So then I cried all the way home because I, before I knew it, we had committed ourselves in writing to a gigantic building that I found out later he owned four stories, a gigantic thing. It was the only thing available, so we took it without one convert. And then I had to build a school, so with no money, right? I had no money whatsoever. All I had was the leading of the Lord. All I had was the Lord, right? Which is good, you know? So I come home. I'm depressed. I walk in. They're having a prayer meeting about Cambodia. I walk out. Lady's sitting there. and She says, you know, how much do you think it would cost for that school thing you're talking about? And I said, I have no idea. She says, well, here, I'll write you a check for $40,000. That was it. That's how it began, right? 40000 right on the driveway. I mean, I didn't know whoever had her. I'd never met her before in my life. So thing is, like, once you get an idea and you step into it, what the Lord does is he starts helping you along. Thank God. He helps you along. He doesn't leave you in the dark, but that first step can be quite a doozy, right? It's sort of like you step out of the plane and then the parachute opens. And uh, so (laughs) by God's grace. And it's the same way with even being led to pray for someone or talk to someone or witness to someone. It's it's God's with you. You know, it's God's will for you to share the gospel and to be of encouragement. But sometimes, especially with a stranger or in a situation that's quite threatening, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. To step out, but when you step out, then the Lord catches you. It's just that you've got to know what you're catching, what you're standing into. And it's just got to be one of God's purposes, right? And, th- and we get God's purposes so clearly in the Bible. It's just that as they're getting fleshed out, it can be a little hairy, right? Because we know they're supposed to help the poor and the weak, right? So school, feeding people, I told him that, you know. And we know we're supposed to preach the gospel. I told him we wanted to preach the gospel in this country. There's a lot, you know, I'll tell him all about that. You know, so... You know you're on firm ground when you're doing gospel purposes. It's just a matter of how God refines it and how you are able to do that. And, yes. and so the thing is, we've been taking one step after another here like that. And, and, and if it were to have been my, my doing, uh, the warehouse would not be the warehouse. It would be a gymnasium. I tried to make it a gymnasium so much when we left, lost the tenant, I was freaking out over the whole thing because we lost all that money. And then I'm going, uh, then I'm trying to make it into a gymnasium. I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to do this whole thing. And then I kept hearing this little voice in my ear that Mother Teresa told me when I, I met with her. She said, look, see, and do something about it. And she was just, it just started ringing in my ear. And I go, oh, my gosh, you've got to be kidding. We're going to feed people here? And I just think, no way, Lord, there can't be, it can't be, you know. But as I stepped into that just a little at a time, God, the wind just caught it. It's like a sail. You just put it up. And the wisdom path began, and the Lord began to blow me along. I'm thinking, wow, this thing's moving much faster than I really want it to go. I want a jam. No, no jam. <laughs> You're going to feed. I'm thinking, looking at a gal doesn't need to feed anybody. They have plenty of food. <laughs> and I was wrong because the recession hit. When the recession hit, as you guys know, that really is what started the whole thing because there are no tenants in sight, so I couldn't get distracted that way. And then we just began to feed people. And then they started bringing stuff. And I didn't even, wasn't smart enough to know how to even sell it. And then we began to sell a little bit of it. And, and uh, then people bring more stuff. And I sold that. And then I got more food. And then da 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 and, and it just took a life of its own. But that purpose of helping the weak, which I didn't even like, I had a hard time even like imagining Laguna Niguel the weak. 
because I've been spending a lot of my time overseas and other slums and terrible places, but Laguna Niguel seems so nice. I didn't know, and ever since that year till now, I, I, I know now more than ever, there's an underbelly, every community that looks nice and doing well, of people that are not doing very, very well at all. There's just like this outward thing that, you know, fools us here. And then I, and every year that's gone by, I see the underbelly, I see the layer of desperate people, people with just lo- huge financial needs and issues, largely due to um, high prices and at the same time uh, economic uh, uh, jobs that aren't able to match the high prices. Only a few people, right? So the rest of us find ourselves moving around. And then, of course, there's the immigrants and people that have come. And so... There's plenty of people, uh, and that I didn't realize. I didn't even know what our clientele. I didn't understand. But when you go into a purpose and you sort of start stepping into it, then the Lord just begins to, to sort of back it up, right? And um, so uh, I, I'm going to get a little more scriptural here, I guess. So uh, I could probably just stop there and be probably everybody be happy. But let's just keep moving on. <laughs> so look at one B in your outline. God speaks every day through what he's made. Interesting. And I'm just going to just go through as I... How does God speak and what ways does he speak? So we're just going to see some. Well, for one thing, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour, uh, they pour, they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Now, I think in a secular culture like ours, a secular humanistic culture, which actually is getting more and more spiritual by the day, uh, wrong spiritual, but spiritual nevertheless. But this speech, this day after day, the world and many parts of the world understand nature and hear from nature, right? And it's a little easier for them to understand. Yet God in his glory and his creation speaks, and he's telling us that that's one way he uses to speak to people about himself. But people have taken nature and actually turned it into gods. They, they know that there's something unusual about nature, but they turn it into gods, right? Instead of finding the one true God, which was God was speaking to them about. So he's declaring that the heavens are declaring one God. The heavens are speaking. It's just that sometimes people don't get the, they don't get the understanding. They don't understand that that's what's being spoken. One, Romans 8, uh, 1.18, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godliness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God made it plain to them. Here's very interesting. For since the creation of the world's invisible qualities, the world of the world, God's invisible qualities, the eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. He's telling us that through the centuries, through the years, God has always brought a revelation of himself through creation. Right? And through the years, especially generations past, and even amongst the Jews and amongst the cultures of that day, they, they were using the, the stars as a form of worship. They were using the creation, right? And God actually used that in the beginning for Jesus, right? He worked along with the astrologers, right, which they, it was a form of their religion and worship to reveal something bigger, the creator of the universe, right? For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to them, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. Interesting, isn't it? And exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images, made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. So they began to make worship images they made of creation, right? 
and they would worship these things. You see this all over uh, 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 places where very dark in uh, Africa and uh, and uh, in, in Asia as well. And so the images they created, worshiping them, and, and often they were nature images, right? So something about nature was speaking to them about God, but they were missing the one true God. Romans eight, uh, Romans one eighteen to twenty three says that he he was talking. God always has been a talking God. So it's very, very critical that we respond in faith when God speaks. Often, uh, healing and salvation are in the balance when God talks about something. God uh, speaks to us about something that He wants to do, right? So Matthew 13, 13 to 17. This is why I speak to them in parables of seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand. And them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, you'll be ever hearing but never understand, you'll be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this per, uh, this people's heart has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes, otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and I would heal them. So we don't want to go in that place. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see but did not see it, and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. So those that were specially religious, those that were in charge of everything, were blind because of their own immorality, because of their own sin, because of their own arrogance, right? But the humble people uh, uh, could see. And that's why Jesus went to the masses. But he said, as a whole, though, Israel's heart had become religiously callous. And there's nothing worse than be religiously calloused. So they had a form of religion, a form of God, but not really God, right? It was a lot of things that they had learned from Moses and so on, but they had kind of um, become callous to the very things that they were supposed to obey and made all kinds of rituals and things out of it. And what it became is really self-made ministry. Instead of God's image, their own, uh, their own image, right? And this is actually a problem, and it's a problem for religious cultures actually all over the world and a problem for us sometimes. It's so important that we just learn to follow fresh manna, learn to walk with God and hear His voice every single day. That's why God says, man will not live by bread alone, but out of every word that comes out of the mouth of God. But that manna has to be fresh every day. It's so important that we're getting fresh manna every day. Because, you know, uh, if God's really leading, and you're leading, He's leading us along, maybe He takes a left and you took a right. Or maybe you didn't want to go anywhere. Maybe you went backwards, right? He's always moving. He's always changing. He's always doing new things. And so it's so important, no matter who you are in your life, or where, what kind of place you're in, what kind of job you have or whatever, to hear God's voice in it and do what He says to do and make good decisions along that way. And that's so important because this is the nature of walking with God. Luke chapter 10, verses, uh, verse 17. So Jesus sends these 72 out to minister and he, they say, Lord, He said, even the demons subject, or submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I gave you, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions to overcome all power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one who knows 
who knows who the Father is except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it. And they hear what you hear, but did not hear it. So what is the dynamic that's involved here? Humility. Just pure humility. Not being caught up with religion or too full of yourselves. Sometimes I worry about us. I worry about, uh, especially in the area of the prophetic. Sometimes I worry that the prophetic exists for the prophetic. Exists to be prophetic. I see that sometimes. I, I can feel it in the uh, sometimes very religious, unusual. You know, there uh, instead of just the simplicity of walking with God and hearing His voice. You know, uh, all these isms and things here and there and everywhere. People chasing this way and chasing that way. And uh, I, I worry about that because I, I, I think. God gave the gospel to very humble people, willing to do very humble things on the ground. You could say the groundwork, right? The, the, and I love John Wimber so much like this. He he always tried to keep the vineyard on what he called the main and the plain, the simple needs of people, the simple things that God does. You know, witnessing to your neighbors, studying your Bible, loving God with all your heart. You know, just simplicity like this. But I tell you, and he used to say the meats in the streets. What he meant was, as we help people, as we're about his business, we will find these great manifestations of power and this great insight and vision. We will see. We will walk in the supernatural. But when it becomes professional, when it becomes like a thing in itself, it sort of disconnects a little bit. And so that's what he's talking about. Kings and all in authority. I mean, now we have a hard time understanding this because a lot of our kings don't care anything about God. But in ancient times, kings were always intensely interested in God because they had a spiritual worldview. So they all believed that things were happening because of supernatural means. So they're always trying to get the favor of God some way or another, right? They longed to look into what would make them stronger and, you know, and, and what that would make them, uh, what make, make their authority grow. And, and you see in the Bible instances where they're very superstitious and stuff and, and how they would act and respond and everything. And even when God was dealing with Israel and the nations, you know, you know, they, they would, hey, uh, they, even the temple but was rebuilt because the guy said, you know, he wanted to rebuild the temple so he'd get a little favor from that God, you know, just in case that God was strong, you know. So they're always getting favor with the gods. As a matter of fact, if they succeeded, they figured that they got the right God. They didn't know who it was. <laughs> That's why he's saying kings and people, you know, looked, have longed to look into these things. But, but God's given these things, supernatural identity, understanding the king of the universe, understanding how to move in the spirit and hear God's voice to the poor, to the weak, to the humble. God gives grace to the humble. So when hearing God's voice isn't humble anymore... And boy, we can get some real heady places, too, especially as we think of the government and we think of, you know, Trump and this and that, you know. I tell you, something about that stinketh. We have to be very careful. I like him better than any other candidate. Just tell you that right now, because I'm just looking for someone that will stand up in this environment, you know. But if one else, somebody else will, that's good, too. But, 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 but the part of the thing is, with regard to this, you know, uh, is we just need to make sure that we keep our focus as believers straight on Jesus Christ and God. And if God doesn't use him or this other person or your favorite, whoever that is, God will use the right person if we continue to pray and ask for all those who are in authority. So we just need to ask for God to bring us the right governing authorities, not only for our nation, but right here, right, right, right in our own backyard for our own representatives and stuff. Because at the end of the day, they all accumulate, right? <laughs> So we, we want to make the right decisions and, and, and all of that. And, 
and uh, and pray and ask God to bring these these people and so on and so forth in our own walk with the Lord. <clears throat> so if we look at two uh, C on your outline, uh, John records a, a very dramatic moment. John uh, chapter twelve and uh, verses uh, twenty seven to thirty seven. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. That's Jesus praying. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and will glorify it again. Wow. Can you imagine a voice from heaven? The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said this voice was not was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all my people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. The crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So their whole idea was going to be this amazing champion that rose up and, and pulled them up with him, right? And to rule the earth. And so in the midst of this great glory, where this voice, you know, says, you know, speaks out, and, and uh, it's just a very clear uh, voice, right? And, and these, the words, words are, you know, that a voice came from it, I have glorified and will glorify it again, you know. Glorify your name. And God Almighty speaks back. But in the midst of God Almighty speaking back to his son, all this confusion happens. Because the key was Jesus was going to go to the cross. He was going to go someplace that nobody thought a glorified person could, should go. He was speaking, but people weren't hearing. And the problem with hearing God's voice sometimes is we get these things of grandeur. We, we hear these vo- things, you know, and, and, and uh, what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to behave and everything. We, we hear, but we don't hear. We're, because Jesus is humble, and God's way is often humble. That's why I hate a religious spirit and think parading and that sort of thing because it's often going the wrong way. God's usually fairly humble and he likes his son to be glorified if anybody. So it's sort of important the way we do miracles, the way we talk about them, the way we brag about them, the way we pray for each other, right? Because I want the anointing. I want to really see. I want to really believe. I really want to hear God, right? And uh, I don't want, I, I just, and it just comes in this uh, humble capsule. And an interesting thing, that loud voice that was spoken. Um, uh, who is this son of man? You know, they, they, didn't, they didn't get it, right? And God Almighty spoke uh, out loud. What an amazing thing. So most missed it and the door closed. Actually, in John chapter 12, verse 29, it says there, uh, the crowd said, that was there heard and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. So there's lots of confusion about it. Some thought they were hearing thunder. Others thought it was an angel. And almost nobody knew it was the Father speaking to his Son. How can that be? How can God Almighty speak from heaven and nobody hears it? That's the question of the day, isn't it? How can God be thundering and nobody's hearing it? Well, there's a humility of heart. There's something we have to settle in our heart, right, about God. And uh, it's so how critical it's to respond to respond in faith, but humility as well when God speaks. And so 
I just want to say, I, I think God wants to speak some amazing stuff to the world. I think he wants to use us in some amazing ways. But all along the way, God gives grace to the humble. We just have to hear God's voice, and it's got to be true to his character in the process. We're, we're not making big shows of things or whatever. You know, we, And it just delight me so much. This is why I think our ministry team is more and more important to me by the day. Um, it's just important that we have people that just pray for people and that God does supernatural things for them. Because So if I do it, and I do it once, I do it twice, I do it seven times, eight times, pretty soon nobody wants to come to church unless I'm here, right? And even then I'm limited. I can only do a little bit. But if like there's a bunch of people hearing God's voice along the front here, and they learn to hear God's voice, and they do it here and in the community, then what do we have? Well, we've got the real voice of God walking through, working through humble, obedient faithful people and we got something we've got the possibility for miracles and signs and wonders to multiply all over the place the other model is so limited it's dependent on some person's charisma some person's experience with God and that's why these sayings that we've developed through the years uh, everyone plays you know you know, the, they used to say the meat's in the streets. In other words, it's out there wherever people are. This is really the, you know, I, want, I want the meat of the word. Well, the meat of the word is being obedient where needy people are and ministering to them. And all of us are in the ministry. All of us are part of this grand and holy uh, priesthood, which is standard vineyard teaching, but sometimes we don't listen to our own teaching sometimes. And especially, I would say, it's more needed than ever because of the media age. The media age exaggerates everything. And I watch them sometimes, I look at them, and I'm looking at that, and I'm going, hmm, I wonder what's really going on. Then years later, months later, we find out they've fallen or something, this has happened, or you're around them, and you go, oh, my gosh. Man, I'm telling you, I've been so pleased with the, 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 the gifts that the Lord has given us. Um, and I hope you had the eyes to see and ears to hear when they come. There was a man named David that came recently, and he's the first I've seen of a certain level of profit in my whole life, in a long, long time, ever since maybe the early days with Bob Jones and those guys, Bob Kane, Paul Kane. All. I don't know if you noticed that or not. If you had eyes to see, you would you would see it. It was amazing, and he was humble, just ordinary, per- talking along, talking along, and I knew it by the way he served, and he served our people in the other room, and he just went on serving and helping and being good-hearted, you know, and answering their questions. And so the greatest among you shall be the servant of all. The problem is that we have now is video that YouTube and all the other things have greatly elevated and our people have gotten so used to watching television and superheroes on television that they can't, uh, they don't understand when the real thing comes around. It's too humble for them, right? And even up here in the front, I'm telling you, the greatest chance of you getting healed today or delivered today is in the ministry here. You know why? Because God gives grace to the humble. I'm just, I'm not, I'm telling you the truth. I mean, uh, the greatest chance you have is right here with ordinary folks. If you see that revelation, God gives grace to the humble, and we begin to work like that, and we begin to know that everybody plays, everyone has something to offer, we'll see miracles and signs and wonders and things multiply greatly, right? So uh, if you look at number three on your outline, expecting the unexpected, God speaks in all sorts of ways for our benefit. To hear and believe, we must settle the fact that God's ways and thoughts are not our ways and thoughts. That's from Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, which is a, a powerful passage. I'll just read these verses real quick. 
For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Wow. That's a long way. <laughs> wow. So his ways and his thoughts are not like us. So don't be surprised if you had an idea of what something was supposed to be and it came out different or maybe it's a little different. The quick, the trick is that you may have an idea, like I was telling you earlier about the use for the warehouse, right? I had all in my mind, you know, this is going to be, you know, I can't find a tenant, so let's make a gymnasium out of them. That'd be so cool. And I could think of how we could do this or that, you know, and everything. What God had in mind is feeding the poor. <laughs> my thoughts are not yours. My thought was immediate, you know, and I was thinking how, oh, man, people, I, I can make some money out and get back my rent that I'm losing from that thing. Feeding the poor, I could never figure out how in the world I'd ever get any rent. All I saw that is like, that, that, that space, that's 30,000 square feet of space leaving. No more tenant, no more money. Ah, ah. Why don't you feed a couple of people? It's 50,000 square feet, Lord. Put a table, put some food on it. And Amaya, when we did that the first time, the greatest shock in my life was to see a line out the door. I thought no one would show up. I literally just did it. I put some food on a table, not enough food either, and people were lined out the door, and I thought to myself, what in the heck is going on here? Am I that out of touch? And I'm finding, I'll, I'll tell you, um, I, can't, I won't tell the name of the restaurant, but I saw in that line about one week later the owner of a restaurant that everybody will know if I mention his name and his son in our food line getting food. I looked at him and I said, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, he said, well, he said, we're having a hard time at the restaurant. Here's my son. He doesn't have any food. And I just thought maybe we could, he could get something here. My mouth just dropped to the floor. And when that happened, I thought, okay, something's going on I'm not aware of. It's a lot humbler than I thought, right? <laughs> My ways are not your ways, God. Your ways are really high, evidently. I have no idea, but I guess this is the right thing to do. Mother Teresa said, look, see and do something about it. Okay, here we go. I didn't believe that word. I didn't believe we were supposed to do this thing till like a year or two after doing this. And finally, when my brother said, I found this huge refrigerator. I'm bringing it back from Seattle. I said, you're going to do what? And he said, I'm going to go to Seattle. I'm going to get this giant refrigerator. And I said, Really? He said, yeah, you're going to need it. I said, I don't think we're going to need it. I, I'm not even sure I'm supposed to do this. He said, I'm going to get it. He went and got it. Gee, then he put it together. I couldn't believe it. And before I know it, I got this huge refrigerator and a warehouse I don't want and using for purposes I don't think are going to work. And it just keeps going, right? And it's just been like that from the very beginning. And I should have read my Bible and saw that God likes poor people a lot. I should have known. He likes weak he likes weakness, which is another thing I liked about the vineyard so much. I liked it. I liked that they, they, they fed people. I liked it. Whatever, you know, and I, I couldn't always make heads or tails of it, especially then I'm thinking, we live in Orange County. What do we, what the big deal? of John, what do you want to feed people for? I mean, I don't get it, you know, and I thought that a hundred times, even while we're doing this, but it turns out that everything's changed. God knew how it was going to happen, and of course we're deeply involved in a lot of things, much bigger even than feeding people with regard to what's happening in the warehouse. And so hiring people and and uh, and just taking care of medical needs and take care of housing, which has been a huge issue, and so on and so forth. 
So if you look at C there, the diversity of ways God speaks, the language of the scriptures, the more of the written word we have in our hearts, the greater capacity we have to hear the spoken word, which is the rhema of God, the, the activating of the word, right? The more the written word we have in our hearts, just the written word, the, you know, reading the Bible all the time. And uh, I'll tell you what, um, there's no truer saying than this. Um, so I read through the Bible every year, and I've done it for many, many years, and I have my little plan I do. But I, I do it for a couple of reasons. One, it was just the discipline of it, and my mentor did it, uh, and so I just followed what he did. You know, and he had this little Bible plan, and we'd be in the, you know, and every day you could be in like nine different places in the Scripture. He was just really radical about it, and so we all had our little Bible reading cards, and we just began to read, you know, uh, the Bible like that. But I found out the more I read through the Bible, the more I understood God, and the more I could hear God's voice. And also, it just became uh, amazing. Uh, and so today, even to this day, I try to get through the Old Testament once and the New Testament twice every year. Actually, I do that every year, and, and then sometimes I bump it up. Because as I read the Scriptures, it, 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 it comes in me somehow. And God will remind me of a Scripture about a situation I'm in. Oh, so that's what we're doing now. I, I can't tell you how many times that happens to me. And also the great encouragement and the great promises of God, I, I start taking them for my own. So years of meditating on the scriptures have made me then become mine, right? And I become sure of what I'm doing as long as it's a biblical thing. If it's a biblical thing and it's something that, that God likes and I can see it all through the scriptures, you know, uh, it's then good, you know, um, and I'll, I'll do that, right? And, and, and that's helped me make a lot of decisions and God brings scriptures to me all the time and I just can't tell you, and this, this thing that Bill said is so important. The more the written word we have in our hearts, the greater capacity we have to hear the spoken word. So what God often does with me in hearing his voice is he activates the scripture. He tells me something, you know, speak something out of the scripture, an example, somebody in the scripture, you know, something about their life, you know, uh, or just the way Jesus acted. I love the way Jesus acted. The way, and he was humble and he was taking these disciples and scared them half to death. That's all part of it. Like, being scared to death is part of walking with Jesus, evidently. That's the way they twelve it. Oh, we want all the other stuff, but we don't want to be scared to death. But he's taking, he's freaking them out all the time, you know? He's freaking them out all the time. And rebuking them sometimes. Right? Because they just are hard of heart, right? And, and, and we see that and we go, oh, that's my rebuke. Oh, yeah, okay, I get it, you know? And I'm warned, oh, yeah, I got to watch out. I got to be stuck. And then you get this piece of wisdom from some place in the Bible that somebody's experiencing. You go, that fits exactly where I'm at. And that's how he used to do it. My, my first uh, mentor that I left medical school, by the way, I went to med school. And then I first here and got caught up with this other guy and the church and everything. Loved it so much, I decided to step out of med school and go, well, my dad didn't like that either. Anyway, I stepped into something and, and uh, he was right. I don't, it was me. I probably would have said, what are you doing? Because this little band of people, but he caught my heart. God caught my heart, you know, and I began to read my Bible all the time and just follow and walk. And that introduced me to the nations and, you know, of the world. And uh, and that's where the international call came for that, that person, right? And so um, anyway, there's a diversity of ways God speaks. And there's the audible voice of God and the inaudible voice of God. Not very many people have heard the audible voice of God, Right? But the inaudible voice of God, just that voice, however he gets to you, however he speaks to you, whether it's in a paragraph form, whether it's in a sentence, or whether it's a strong impression, or whatever. So impressions is another thing. Dreams and visions, I learned more and more to pay attention. Why would I pay attention to dreams and visions? Because I'm looking at the Bible. 
All kinds of dreams and visions people are getting led by. Okay, I guess God still does that. He didn't stop doing that, did He, right? So that's why we even, like with our prophetic classes and everything, one of the things that we do with our prophetic classes is nothing more than a, a, a tutoring on how to hear God's voice and the various ways God speaks. Turns out God speaks in lots of different ways, so it's kind of important to know, you know, if you're going to watch television, you might as well have more than one channel, you know, like have 15 or 20 of them, because He might speak on that channel, right? And uh, so visions, uh, visions is a big deal. Um, visions means uh, several things, but I, I like, I, I, vision is a big deal to me. I don't know. Um, it's not just that I see things, but I see things, right? So I remember that there was years and years I'd wanted to go to this place called Bhutan. And I, and I just prayed over it every day. I just felt like I was supposed to go there someday. And I would write, you know, I'd just been doing it for years, you know. But I could not figure out, because Bhutan was so closed and nobody could really get in there, and they would charge you, you know, a leg and an arm to get in there because it's just the strangest, and still is one of the strangest kingdoms on the earth, right? So I'm thinking, and I prayed over it, I prayed over it because I just felt like I was supposed to go. I felt like I was supposed to go. But I kind of, the church got planned, and we kept going and going. And then one day, and I, I, I tell you what, this is something, I call these holy snapshots. And if you'll begin to pay attention to this, at least in my life, God speaks to me a lot like this. I can remember where I was at when God did something new, spoke to me something new sometimes. It's like a snapshot. I can remember. So like it was yesterday, I remember I was in this, we had held a conference in here, and there was a pastor here from another church, and we were in this building, and at that time there were two sides of this building, uh, cor- this side of the building, there were two areas, right? And there was a doorway between them. And I remember I was walking this way, right? And then, then uh, a pastor friend of mine in the area had another guy with him, and he was walking through the doorway at the same time. And as we walked through the doorway at the same time, I felt the presence of God. I thought, oh, hi, such and such. And then, uh, and I, and then he introduced me to this guy. And he says, well, this is such and such. He's a missionary. And I said, where are you a missionary to? Well, lately, Bhutan. I, I just, when he said that, I, I'd never heard of anybody going to Bhutan. And he, he got in, I can't tell you how he was getting in there, but it was a sneaky way he was doing it, right? And I said, I, I, I blurted it out. I didn't even wait. I said, I'm going with you. When's you going? When the, when's the next time you're going? He said, well, I'm going like two months from now. I'm going. I'm going. Do you mind if I go? I, I didn't even ask him. I said, do you mind if I go? <laughs> I just... You know, I was a little bit, I thought, I caught myself, I better, golly, he probably thinks I'm. But this uh, impression, these impressions, it's like, cause I, so you all may have your own impressions. So I know what mine feel like when I have a Holy Spirit. Yeah, so some of you are making fun of me already because I've been, you've been watching me. People are, I don't know, man, this place must have eyes. I think nobody sees anything I do and everybody sees everything I do. So you might see me walking around out there. Like I'm lost. I am in a minute, but I'm not lost. I know what I'm doing. Uh, I'm getting my impressions. I'm, I, 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 I think we're supposed to buy that land, so I just walk on it. I walk on it. And then I try to figure out, this goes here, that goes there. So I may be way off, so I am little feel a little silly even mentioning it because I can't imagine how in the world everything will fall together, not the least of which is the money, but... But still, I, I can't get this out of my system. I got this picture in my mind, and I think I know where everything goes now. So that's a good example of something God may call you to do. You may only know Bhutan. So that thing fleshed out. It fleshed out. Over time, it fleshed out. I went back again, and I met certain people who turned into 
the ones I was going to work with and just began to unfold and then before we knew it it was just amazing what's happened there right it's it's I mean if you go in that building right over there on one side you'll see Bhutanese water Bhutanese water which we helped develop and grow into a business right and other things like that hotel and all kinds of other things so but the other stuff I can't talk about because it's a Basically, uh, uh, anyway, never mind. I can't talk about that part. But anyway, <laughs> it's good, though. It's really good, right? So this impression thing is something that uh, these like Holy Spirit snapshots. Um, this is just I'm just telling you how I hear God's voice sometimes. I'll, I'll see something, but I see something else. Now, it used to be that I would just ignore that something else, right? And so just, you know, forget it especially if it was too expensive or too amazing or too crazy or whatever, you know. But then when you, but when the impression keeps coming over and over, you kind of go, okay, something's up, Lord, what's up? I don't even want to ask exactly what's up, but what do you think maybe, what are we doing here, you know? And, and so that's where I'm at with that land right now. What are we doing here? And actually I've gotten some traction. I think I know what belongs there now. I've gotten a picture of it. I think I know. And I'm walking on the land to get the picture so I can see what, and just kind of let it clarify. I, just, I brood over it. It's like the Lord. Remember how he brooded over the waters, right? You brood over things. We want things to go so quick. But if you get a hold of a live one, you know, it takes a while to reel it in. So if you pull too hard or you ignore it, you, the string breaks or the fish gets away. And could I just say this to all of you in business? New ideas, new thoughts, things. You, you, it's not only that you get the thought, then you have to find the wisdom path to it, right? And the wisdom path to it is as important as getting the thought. So lots of times things don't go anywhere in our vision because we get the vision, but we don't have the legs to walk it out. And the legs to walk it out is you just pray over it, you soak over it, and then you're watching, watching for the open, for the opening, the thing that makes the thing kick into... So that Bhutan thing... The thing that kicked it is when that guy walked through the door, that was it. And when he, then I, I said, can I go? And he said, yes. And then once I got in there, then the drama began to unfold. I don't talk about it much because I don't like to talk about it publicly very much, but it's, uh, there's a lot going on there and in, in other places as well. So it's the same thing. And, and then out here in our own area and stuff. And I've noticed that the warehouse has been developing. Now that thing I've handed away to, to John, so he's got... But his vision, he keeps getting these visions. He keeps it this, go this and that. I'm thinking, wow, man, whoa, this thing's going, whoa, whoa, whoa. But it's not my vision anymore. I just opened the door. He's got it. He's seeing it. He's seeing way beyond where it's at right now. He's getting the same impressions. It's so much fun to get one of these, and also it's the scariest thing in your whole life. For any of you that ever started a business or done anything like it, it's scary you half to death. But that's how you know you got one. It's scaring you half to death, but at the same time you know you got to do it. That's how you know. <laughs> It scares you, but you go anyway, right? That's kind of it. And, and, and you feel like you have some weight under you with the Lord, right? And I know this area, the thing I love about our area so much, I love this area so much, is because this whole area is, uh, un, unlike other areas of the country that I've been in, this area is creative. People are always thinking about stuff. They think about possibilities, you know, and, and it's, a, it's a land of dreamers, really. You know, maybe it's because we're too close to Hollywood. I don't know, but we're like that. We're just like that. The people here are distinctly different than other people with regard to the way that they think, the way they imagine, the way they look out. They, they're just amazing. I love this area because of that, right? And I, that can get you in trouble, too, you know, but still, I, that right there, the ability to be innovative and creative and take a chance and step out, sometimes you get burned doing that really bad, and people do. 
But nevertheless, I just like it. Other areas of the country, they're not like that. They don't have that creative flow. Then I'm thinking to myself, move out of California. I would never move out of California. I love this place. Are you kidding me? Oh, yeah, we got some crazy over here and crazy over there. But as far as I can tell, everybody's getting crazy right now. So why don't you come on and move back? Because you're going to be crazy over there before you know it. I mean, come on. If it's crazy the way you're measuring things, so I don't think you're going to be able to move out of that. But meanwhile, these people over here are like, we have a better weather. <laughs> and all kinds of other things. But especially the climate of the people is what I like. When I first got here, and I look around, and I see how people do things around here, and I think, hot dog, I'm home. I ain't leaving. This is me. This is where I belong. I like these people. I like them a lot, right? All right, so I hope you guys are living in that same way. All right, so if you look at uh, 4, 5, 6, 7, these are other ways that God speaks. Dreams and visions are big with us around here, especially dreams. The problem with dreams is you have to interpret them correctly, right? That's why these prophetic, prophetic classes that we have are really helpful, right? Because dreams are highly symbolic. So you have a dream, and sometimes like half the stuff in it isn't what it is, you know? It's, it's symbolizing something. Visions. Uh, uh, mind pictures are like visions, have pictures in your mind, symbols, riddles, unusual circumstances, prophecies and testimonies. And uh, there's this category of revelation that I like to call this. It's the, how in the world are you doing that? <laughs> Visitation. Like, I'll have things happen. i say, okay, I know you're speaking to me. How in the world are you speaking to me? I can hear you clear as day. I don't hear words. I don't hear nothing. I just know what you want me to do. And I go, how in, the world are you, how, do I, how in the world are you doing that? I'll literally ask God, how in the world are you doing that? How do I know that? You know? Or I'll know something about someone. I'll notice on the, you know, or a prophetic. And I'll ask God, I'll, how, how do I know that? How in the world? I have no evidence, whatever. And I'll go check it out, and it's true. You know, and sometimes I check it out, it's not true. So you have to be bold. Sometimes you just mess up. Sometimes you don't hear nothing, right? But I tell you, even if you only get one out of every five, it's really worth it, man. All I have to do, if you don't get it right, the other four just say, apologize. Ah, I don't know. And God gives grace to the humble. So it's good for you, right? Because you know what? He gives grace to the humble. So if you get get humbled by something you thought was the Lord and it wasn't, great. That makes you more humble for the right one. Because when the right one comes, it's fantastic, right? You just, you know, like you just notice something about someone. You just walk up to a perfect stranger, you know, start talking to them, you know? And, and then you figure out, and then things begin to develop. And you go, oh, so this is why I'm talking to this person. It's great. It's wonderful. And I, I just love the way the Lord is, and I love for a whole community to, to be that. So I'll call that la- this one, how in the world am I uh, doing that? How in the world? Are, sometimes I'll ask God, how in the world are you doing that? I know you're talking. How in the, what, what means are you using? I just, I'm aware. It's not words. I just am aware of people. Sometimes I'm aware of things. So the thing is, is you walk in, uh, and, and you, you begin to expect the unspe- unexpected, which is the title of Roman numeral three, the better off you are, right? And hearing God's voice. Roman numeral four. This one's my favorite. So now I've left myself almost no time to talk about it. But I talk about it so much, might as well, you know, you guys will get it. Love opens our ears. It secures our souls and casts out fears so we can hear, Right? And, of course, I learned this from Mr. Piorek over there. And uh, it's one of the greatest parts of learning from his teaching. And um, John 5, 19 to 20, Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Now, here's the key. Here's the key. Wow, I'm just about to give you a key to hearing God's voice. This is one of the biggest. This is, I would say this is my top five keys. 
Maybe top three keys. Maybe a top key. For the Father loves the Son, got that? And shows him all he does. Yes, and he'll show him even greater works than these so that you'll be amazed. For the Father loves the Son. So it's out of the Father's affection that God, Jesus could hear his voice. So when I feel the love of God, I also hear his voice. So I make it my aim through worship, through whatever means, asking God to bring the Father's love. That's why we teach about this so much. We talk about it so much. This encounter, God wants to have a love encounter, repeated love encounters. So Jesus had repeated love encounters with Father. And because of that, he could hear his voice. It's easy to hear God's voice when you feel that love. Because when you feel that love, what, what happens? We love because he first loved us. We love because what? He first loved us. Then what we do is we go around and love somebody. And if, when you begin to love someone and sacrifice them, usually you're almost always in the middle of God's will. You heard God's voice. It's compassion that drives the anointing. It's compassion that drives the voice of God for me more than anything else. When I feel that little compassion on someone, I don't have to have a huge vision or a picture. I just go, okay, that I'm generally supposed to be involved and maybe God will give me other things that way we can help. When I feel that compassion, I stop, I go and talk to them. I do, and that's how I know I'm always in the right space, right? And sometimes I don't, but when I do, it makes, I don't mind stopping if I feel compassion. I'll spend all the time in the world, I just got to know this is, I'm on. And a lot of the times I know I'm on because of compassion. Now here's, here's the thing I learned. So I found out that I'm not the most compassionate person in the world, you know. It's taken a little while to develop, right? But I found out that once I respond once or twice or three times, I get softer and softer on the inside. It's just that you have to keep stepping, right? One at a time. And, you, and when, when you do it more and more and respond to compassion, you get softer on the inside. You get more and more um, susceptible to God's voice. For the Father loves the Son. And shows him all he's doing. So when I feel the love of God loving me as a son, he shows me often what to do. And that's just the key to Jesus' ministry. He would feel this compassion and he would know what he's supposed to do. Not everybody that's needy is mine. That's important. Otherwise, we'd go crazy, right? But there are certain things that are mine to do and there are certain things that are not mine to do. So if you find what you're supposed to do, then I stop. You know, when I, when I, especially when we're dealing with the poor, I stop worrying about everything. Oh, if I give that money, he's just going to go out and buy some more booze with it. I don't even think about it anymore. All I know is the Father had compassion on me. I'm supposed to go pray for that person, do something, give them money, whatever. That's it. I don't know whatever happens then. doesn't matter anymore. It used to matter a lot. I'm thinking, well, if I do that, he's going to do this, and then I'm going to do this, he's going to do that. Da, 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 da. I'm trying to figure it out. And I go, then I don't end up doing nothing. Now I just respond to compassion, and then I go do it. That's it. Simple as that. I, not my, not my. Even it takes the weight off of follow-up, right? Got all tangled up in that. So, you know, do I follow up? You know, I just do what I'm supposed to do in that moment, and if I follow, then I guess God will have to arrange that too, right? It's intensely freeing, a lot of fun, because feeling God's love is really fun. Feeling the world, and you know, even in the terms of like feeding people, or oh, it's so liberating because you can get into benevolence and just get into such bondage. Oh my gosh, 
tie yourself in 10 different knots, you know, and you're not getting to enough because there's always more people than you can reach, right? I don't do that anymore. We don't worry about it. We just do what we're supposed to do as best we can do it. Right person in front of us. We're just obedient. Take one at a time and just uh, leave the compassion that way. We don't put any religious stuff on us because the religious stuff will drive you out of your mind. You'll stop hearing God's voice. You'll get tired and say, what am I doing a benevolence thing? What am I doing this in the first place? I hate this stuff. Then you start hating the people you're serving and they're going, uh-oh, something's gone wrong here, right? <laughs> I mean, if you do enough benevolence ministry, you can actually hate the people you're trying to help. I hate these people. I'm not supposed to say that. I'm the pastor, but I can't stand, you know. You can't, your heart will go there because they will disappoint you. They will call, they are, you know what? Broken people aren't nice. They're not even nice when you give them stuff. I know that's horror of horrors to you. You have these visions of, well, I will just walk up and I will float over to this person and I will give them a word from heaven. Then I will give them 50 bucks and then they're going to be okay and they're going to come to church, get saved, then they're going to haul life, turn it around. I'm not even sure I've had one of those things happen like that. But I've had plenty of times where I just exercised a little compassion and that person took it and then just got totally changed. And they started taking us, coming, and da-da-da, just a tiny bit. And I thought, okay, let's just do God's, God's way, and then we'll let the thing unfold how He wants it. But if we could just be open, right? Love opens our ears, it secures our soul, and casts out fear so we can hear. The Father and Son were parched, for the Father loves the Son and shows Him all that He's doing. 1 Corinthians 13. It's got plenty of... Anyone who... Sorry, 13, 4 to 7. Love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud, does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Could I just say to you, everybody wants to do that, but what I learned from Eddie, what I learned from my scripture, what I learned my experience with God, is God gives a huge reservoir, He supernaturally imparts love, so you can do all of that. Because you could no way do this in your own strength. But when you feel that ability to do that, when you feel that you're on, right? And it's not a problem. God gives the resources. And the more you do it, the more resources they give. And the more you stay away from religiosity and legalistic stuff and everything, run like the hills. You know, run for, I mean, run like the hills? What is that? Well, anyway, run, run. I'm not sure why I said that. But anyway, run, run, run. If there's a religious thing or demanding tone, whatever, go. <laughs> Just do things. God will, and if your reservoir of love and compassion is low, don't worry. God will help fill it. Just take a step at a time. He'll give you more, and He'll give you more, and He'll give you more. And don't try to think the outcome of it. Just do the thing in the moment. Don't try to figure it all out for these people and chart the whole path for them. Just do what you're supposed to do in the moment. For the Father loves the Son, and He shows Him what He's doing. In great relationships between children and parents, sister to sister, wives and husbands, the communication circuits are all wide open. For the Christian who feels God's love, life is just one big microphone from God. It is. It's a secret hearing God's voice. When you feel His appreciation, when you feel His love on you, you can hear all kinds of things, right? Last point, grow, number five. Growing our believing and hearing, remembering the past. At first, the miracles did not help the disciples to grow in their understanding and experience of God. And the main reason was they, they, they just had a bad memory, Right? A poor memory causes the heart to harden. And I'm just going to go through this story, just this one little story, and I'll end here. All right? So, besides, John's in the room, and he's looking at his watch already, so i got to go. 
this is important. And this is the last part here. All right? So, um, so remembering the past is really critical. And I want to just give you the story. Okay, so you remember the disciples. They have this huge experience, and they feed all these people, right? Right? And it's amazing. And they didn't have any food, you know. And then they get in the boat. Oh, oh and then after that, Jesus walks on the water to them. Oh, by the way, did you see that? Uh, that uh, What's that thing that's out with? The, what's that guy? That, uh, the Chosen. Wow, that last one where he's walking on the water and all that. Oh, that's outstanding. Who's watched The Chosen? If you haven't watched The Chosen, you should watch The Chosen. Uh, it's it's amazing because it just gives you some good stuff. I mean, it's just so. Anyway, all right. So then, so in that the last episode of The Chosen, remember he feeds the people, right? It's in the Bible too, right? <laughs> then he walks on the water. That's in the Bible, right? Right. And then there's that scene with Peter, which is such a great picture of love and. And where we're all at, right? And 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 then, so, so then they're another just a little while later in the Bible, um, they start quarreling with one another, right? Because someone forgot to bring the bread for the trip, and they're in the boat. Remember that? And Jesus rebuked them. He says, like, how many le- did you have left over when I multiplied? Don't you remember that I actually multiplied food, right? Don't you remember what I did? So the thing is, one of the greatest things about hearing, seeing, and walking with God is remembering. A poor memory hardens your heart. Jesus said, are your hearts hard? Don't you get it? I did this over here. Why would I not do it here? Do you think that I'm really that stingy and that mean? I would multiply that food for all those people, and here you are, and you've got a couple of loaves, and you're, you're, you're thinking that I'm angry at you because you didn't bring enough, you didn't plan well enough. Don't you think that I could take care of this little thing for you too? Oh my goodness. So this is really important, hearing God's voice. It's remembering what He's done for you in the past. You know, but what have you done for me lately, baby, you know? Oh my gosh, I get into that so easily. Yeah, I remember. You did this, you did that, but I'm facing this now. I can't remember anything you did in the past. Well, maybe you better remember, because I can do this too, you know? Well, your past memories, your past miracles are for the future. They're supposed to be paid in the future. The problem is sometimes that actually what happens is he does something over here and then he escalates it slightly over here. So you need slightly more faith over here, right? But you just remember and then you can go tackle that as well. This is a great way to hear God's voice. Remembering the past so when you're in your present and in your future, you can hear his voice and you can react properly and you can do what he says to do, right? Amen. All right. Hearing, seeing, and believing. Why don't we all stand? Praise God. Well, I think it's good. I, I, I said about half of what I thought I was going to say. But I think the good part that I said was good, so it's good. All right. So, oh my goodness. Um, I don't see there's a, there's a reason in the world why some of you might not hear God's voice today. Now, we already did this a little bit at halftime. I call it halftime. <laughs> you know, right after the worship, that's halftime. So we did that a little bit. But uh, uh, I don't suppose anybody here needs any guidance. <laughs> Probably not. But, but one of the things you might want to come up for, especially, is 
just to ask God for guidance like we did just a few minutes ago. But, but uh, that also, if you're sick or have some kind of illness or whatever. So I want to call our ministry team up, these people that are just uh, uh, servants like the disciples, handing out the bread. Okay, so if you could come forward now. And the reason why the ministry time team, I'm so convicted about this, I'm just a little um, uneasy about our facility. I need a bigger one. I need more space up here. We need more room so that we can do this because this part of the ministry, which we've inherited through the vineyard and through the the uh, customs of the vineyard for years, is just having ordinary people pray for one another is one of the most effective ways for the reasons that I've given for to heal people and to actually see miracles. Uh, so God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. And if you get pride in what you're doing or something around supernatural stuff, there's all kinds of crazy stuff that sometimes comes in. And, and just these humble people praying for you, you don't ever want to do that. And of course, at least get the pastor or somebody to pray for you. But So I don't even know why this whole altar isn't filled with somebody up here willing to pray for someone. So um, I just want to give an Ali Ali income free. Anybody would like to pray for someone, even if you're not on the quote-unquote ministry team, but you just like to pray, why don't you just come up? We'll take you. We'll draft you. Because you don't have to do anything. Here's your training for today. If you've never been on our ministry team, don't get fancy. Just have mercy on people and pray for them as best you can and ask God to come. Some of these people out here need guidance. Some people came in with a disease and they, they're sick and they need to be healed. So just come on up as I'm speaking. Find somebody to pray for you. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Lord honors this a great deal with our ministry team today because I think he's going to start doing this more and more because the Lord just got me riveted on this thing. I want to see more signs and wonders in the church, but I'm not going to see them in a sort of uh, professional atmosphere. I'm going to find it with ordinary folks delivering the mail so Lord we're just going to deliver the mail today some people need a word from heaven some of us need wisdom there's some, a lot of people down here that don't have anybody come on over here on this side a lot of people need wisdom today maybe this person that you're praying for you will have just the right wisdom for you you guys can pray in twos and threes if you like this woman here will prophesy over you for sure and the one next to her too. Uh, Lord, thank you for the anointing that rests on these two. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to do some miracles today. I ask you to speak to people. I ask that you would answer difficult questions for people, Lord. I pray that there would just be such a delightful move of the Spirit. And if you come up and you can't find anybody to pray for you, Somebody will break loose. You guys be sensitive to new people coming up. I'll come down. Maybe some others can help us to pray. And if you're here to be prayed for, just wave your hand at us, okay? God bless you all.